0: Hello. Good afternoon. I really like the time that you get to start. I'm not a morning person, so I, um, you know, I'm... was really thankful for this. But it's interesting. I uh, I was telling Jin Hai and Roy that I think everything that could have happened has been put onto this particular day. So it's been a very full day. This morning I was jumping around and dancing with our kids at Burwood because we've just finished a a three Saturday series, Sabbath series with our kids program. That's why I have my gorgeous nephews with me, whom... um, I'm praying really hard that they sit still during this. So if they do start to run around, it's me for, it's a, it's a sign that they're telling me I need to be quiet. Anyway, so, um, yeah, it's nice to actually join you during this time and, and just to share, um, when Jinha and Roy asked me what to, what I'm going to speak about. One of the things that as a speaker, you sort of think about the group that you're about to speak with and share with, but also pray really hard as to what messages that you're going to be speaking about anyway, and what relevance is that going to have in, in the, the group's life, and my own life. And I have decided that God takes us through themes and, I guess, seasons. Um, and there are certain themes that sort of repeat themselves as you live life. And off late, the theme that has been a repetitive thing for me is that of hope. Who's actually been struggling to watch the news off late? Actually, who struggles to watch the news anytime? Uh, time? Th- I feel like it has been a lot more difficult um, lately. And uh, my sister and I often talk about and again i i'm i try not to be an alarmist and i'm not an alarmist but then there are times when i get a little bit like oh my word what's going on we need to think about stuff and anyway and my sister lately her and i've been talking a lot about you know what is this world coming to and how do we hold on now she this is three of her four boys And I love them like they're my own. And I growl at them like they're my own. I raise them up and I do everything. The only difference is I give them back to her tomorrow. Thank you jesus um, so it's a it's a great thing, but because of that love, I also have other nieces and nephews that I love and adore because i don't have children of my own that I've given birth to, so I don't have that level of understanding as far as motherhood is concerned but when when her and I have conversations mainly on the um, this whole notion of how would we um, handle life if anything was to happen to them. You know, obviously, of recent um, news feed, we have had um, persecution of, you know, certain groups of people, that of Iraq and recently the journalists and, you know, having watched parents, you know, just cry and have this heart-wrenching response to um, what had happened to their journalist son. Now, how do you continue on with life if the person that you love and adore or a child that you have raised and brought up um, is executed, you know, something so public um, for the whole entire world to see and then to have your grief be so public as well? How do you how do you deal with that kind of life? Like, how do you deal with life? on that level. At the same time, her and I were um, chatting about this and, you know, and she says, I don't know. Cause she, you know, we've all grown up with a faith. We've grown up with a faith in God and we've grown up to say that whatever happens, we have God, you know, we have God and he loves us and that, you know, he will help us through this. Now, In saying that, like, there's that faith element, but then there is the heart stuff that is just, like, broken, you know. And she says to me, sis, I don't know. I don't know how I would go, you know. She looks at her little boys and, you know, and I would look at them as well, as well as my other nieces and nephews and look at, and she says, I don't know. I don't know where I would be in my relationship with God if anything were to happen to them at the same time, while this is sort of processing and her and I have actually gotten to a point where I said, listen, I think we need to stop talking about this stuff. All right. Cause it's like, you know, and she goes, no, but I want to, I want to process this with you because we've grown up, um, you know, just in terms of background her and I, as a family, we've grown up with as Seventh-day Adventist believers. That's our background and our context. We've grown up with the notion that in the future, there could be a time when our faith would be put to question, you know, and you're going to be um, asked at some point whether you choose God or not, or whether you choose to believe still in this system that you've been brought up with or not and then you know and so that's where the context of her and I sort of come from that we go okay I don't know and she says I don't know and for me as a pastor that teaches people about faith about God, a big God that looks after the whole entire world, holds the world in his hands. Um, I you know, I work and, and, and walk with people through these processes, especially when things are really at their difficult time. And she says to me, I don't know how I would react. All of this and the only passage and that was the pass and that's a passage I kinda wanna sort of share with you this afternoon um, it sort of gives answers, but it doesn't still take away the fact that we are going to go through grief. We are going to go through suffering. And this is the passage in Romans chapter eight. Um, so if you have your Bibles in whatever form you've got it, this is the passage that I've been sharing with her and her and I have been processing together. Um, and again, it's something that I continually think about, um, In light of our recent times and Romans chapter eight, Romans in itself is a massive book in the Bible. If you're not familiar with it, like um, a lot of theologians love this kind of book and Romans in itself, um, Paul, as one of the most amazing theologians there is, um, has written these books. He's written these books in some of the most amazing ways and, you know, both in encouraging because that's a part of his role, but also confronting um, the new Christians and the Christians in their walk with Jesus. And Romans is one of them, um, a massive book in itself. And this is, and I guess we don't have a whole lot of time that we can unpack it. Maybe in your discussion time, you could do that in your reflection time. So Romans chapter eight, and the part that I guess I would love for us to sort of go through before uh, verse 18, Romans chapter eight, verse 18, and I would love for us to focus on verse 18 to 30. I'm going to read it from the new international version. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Whose, like, head is spinning right now? Yeah? You're like, what? (laughs) Who's heard this passage before and go, hmm? Who's, Yeah? Who has, is now hearing this for the very first time and, and going, huh, what is going on? So this passage, I guess if I was to summarize it, a few things that we want to, you know, sort of unpack. Basically, this is saying, you know what? Creation itself is groaning. You and I are part of creation. Um, that there is suffering going on. And the context of this is the fact that Paul is actually saying to, you know, those who are new believers of the time and those that have been believers of God in, and saying to them, listen, this whole suffering thing. And he wanted to sort of compare the fact that they're going through some intense stuff. And then he also talks about how well, you and I have been subjected to suffering It's not our choice. When we were born as babies, I guess we had no knowledge of the fact that as we grow into life, we are not going to be, well, we don't have a choice in the fact that you and I are subjected to some hard stuff. That's a reality. And I think Paul really wanted to put out to the people as they start to get to know God and say, your belief in God, that's going to sustain you. But here's the reality. We're still going to be going through some stuff that we're not going to be able to put, um, you know, a handle on or be able to even give any easy answers to. And not just that, listen, creation as in the environment and this earth in itself is suffering. Now, I don't think that you and I will have to look any, like we don't have to look too far to even realize the fact that in a way our world is deteriorating. Environmentally, morally, ethically, it's, there is this spiraling of, of deterioration. And I think Paul, I mean, this was written a few thousand years ago. And this is one of the things that he wanted the people to even just acknowledge the fact that there's going to be some hurt and that it doesn't just happen within humanity. It's happening with the whole of God's creation. The earth itself is going to feel the pain and feel the suffering that we go through just because of the fact that we've been subjected to sin. And I would love to hear your conversation as you unpack this a bit more. And so one of the things that Paul actually says to them, acknowledge this as you come to know God, know him, the sustainer, but also acknowledge the fact that there's going to be some hurting, some suffering, some grieving, some pain, but here's the thing. And this is where the whole idea of hope comes in. I was, um, I was uh, listening to a TED talk, and it was one that was filmed about 2003. And the gentleman, I guess I I didn't watch the whole entire thing, but a couple of minutes into his talk sort of caught my attention. And one of the things he talked about was this whole idea of hope. Now, the context he comes from is not a spiritual context, and he made that very clear. He said, listen, this whole idea of hope, because he must have been sitting through some presentations on changing the... You know, becoming a world changer, and he at the end of this time actually um, came out with the thought, "You know what? I have hope in the fact that in the room that he was in, there were groups of people and individuals that wanted to change the world." for the better, both being socially, um, you know, financially, economically, all of that, there were people that were driven to want to make the world a better place. So, you know, he went googling and going to libraries and, you know, researching, as I have kind of done, probably not to the extent that he has, but looking into the whole idea of hope. Where does it fit in with our lives? What does hope do to us? How does it even help us to go to that next day and wake up each day and go to our jobs? What, how does hope contribute to our lives? And so he talks about this whole idea, you know, that hope is this thing that makes you look towards the future and say things are going to get better. Will that be a, an okay way of looking at hope? Yeah. And I think, yeah, hope is that thing. It's a concept that we have, whether that is um, a, a way that we cognitively think about it and it drives us or the thing that is in our heads and it's placed in our hearts and into our tummy and say, you know what? Even in the midst of this, I know that things are going to get better. And so he just sort of explored this whole idea that, you know what? Yes, our world right now might not be in the state that we would like it to be, but there is hope that because of the people in this room, and this is where he was going, that we are going to make the world a better place. And I was thinking about this whole idea, and I thought, okay, when Paul talked about hope... He was placing this idea that even in the midst of the suffering and the groaning that creation itself and God's people are going to go through, hope is that thing that you hold on to to say that, you know what? And Paul says it in a few verses after this where he says that the suffering we go through right now, as much as it is intense and awful and it's something that we don't want to actually deal with, he says that is nothing compared to the intensity of joy and the glory that you're going to be experiencing. And I look at that and I'm like, that, that actually gives me something to hold on to. But yet, in a way, he's saying, we're still going to have to go through this stuff. But hope is that thing that we look forward to and say, okay, endure this because it's going to get better. And so then he goes on to, to say that the other thought about hope is, um, I read an article and again, it sort of came out, um, at the same time when, Robin Williams, you know, was announced that he had, you know, passed away and which is really quite unfortunate. And, um, I think he was a psychologist or a counselor and he, and he sort of wrote about this whole idea of hope again. He says, you know, when people are going through stuff and going through life, hope is that thing that gives you that next step. You know, it's that next thing that keeps you alive. Hope is that next, whether that is the next appointment that you have, whether it's the next dinner that you have, whether it's the next person that you see. It's just that idea of next. And hope is that thing that gives you the next thing. And so I think about this and, you know, and I look into Romans and what Paul was really trying to convey to the people that he was sharing this with and also the future readers of this passage, which is you and I. And he says that, you know, in the midst of this, hope is that thing that is next. It gives you the next thing. And I look at that, I'm like, I love that idea. And then he goes on to say, you know, hope is also um, that thing that moves you to action. But also it's hope is that thing that also not only just moves you to action, but also moves you to action with peace. And I'm like, okay, let's explore that a bit more. And I know for a fact that for me, peace and hope go hand in hand. And recently you know i 've shared this thought with with my church um, at Burwood, and I shared with them a story of um, you know back in two thousand and eight I had just started a new job, and it was halfway through the year when a mentor whom I love and adore um, lives in the states, works in the states, and actually called me and says "Moy." Um, I'm really hoping that you would give me time to share with you some thoughts. And, and basically what he was saying to me is, I'd love for you to come over to work with me. And I, you know, at the time I thought, this guy I really adored because he's wise and he's smart and, you know, just really just knew what he was about. And I would love to be working under his leadership just because he was such a visionary person. And I really wanted to work with him. So when he asked that, I was just like, Oh, and then I thought, oh, wait a minute. I've just started a new job. I'm only halfway through my first year of it. And so I was like, oh, buddy, I've just started this new job. But then he says, you know, sort of dangled. He says, Moy, I'll fly you over. Come and check it out and all of this. And so I did. I, I ended up going to the States. Um, they flew me over and I, and you know, I, they shared with me the role that they wanted me to, you know, to play and to be a part of this amazing team at a medical center and, you know, with the church that was there. And I want to work with all the medical students. And I'm like, this is, this is really cool. Like, you know, I thought I have no qualifications to be working with medical people, but this sounds like really awesome. Um, anyway, so, you know, we sort of explored the idea. I came back and at the same time I had just started dating my now husband. Um, and I'm like, Oh, that kind of puts things in kind of, that's a bit complicated now because I really want to go there, but I really like this guy anyway. And I said to these, you know, my beautiful friends, I said, listen, there's this guy, I don't know where it's going, but you know, I'd really love to explore what's going to happen with him. Anyway, the second time they flew me over with, My now husband, I really praise God. He's now my husband because they spent money on this guy. But anyway, so we, we flew over and I remembered because I actually said yes to them after praying, after talking with a few wise people in my life and mentors and all those kind of stuff, thinking that, yep, I was settled. This is the thing that God wanted me to do. And then I remember the second time they flew me over and my, you know, Adrian, who my husband is, um, I just remember saying to him, you know, I'm feeling a little unsettled. We flew back to Australia. It was around September, and um, and I, I don't know if you've ever experienced the lack of peace where you can't sleep, you don't rest, you can't think. And for a Samoan girl, not being able to eat is a real problem. Like it's a, it's an issue because this girl likes to eat. All right, like I enjoy my food, you know, I enjoy community and I enjoy doing all of that kind of stuff with food. And so I was, you know, I was so unsettled to the point where I was not, I was just not coping. And there was this lack of peace. And I remember just really having some intense spiritual prayer time and some conversations with different people in my life that I loved again and, you know, who I valued their opinions and it got to the point where I really felt like the spirit was really moving me to say, "Moy, you need to take your yes back. Now that's hard because they've flown me over twice. They've, they've done some really cool things and it was really awesome and I could, I really wanted to go. And, and I, I was so, I was feeling sick in the stomach, but I wanted to sleep and I wanted to eat and I wanted peace and so I remembered, actually, I think I wrote my friend just apologizing profusely. And, I, you know, that real gut thing that you just feel really yuck, I had that. But after I wrote this email and I said, I am, I am just really sorry because I don't think this is of God But, you know, at the same time, I wanted peace, but I also knew there was this thing in, you know, and oh, I have to tell you also, I quit my job at the time. So, yeah, I had quit this amazing job that I also had and I wrote to the board and I told them, oh, by the way, I'm moving to the States. So thanks for appointing me, but I'm going. And then and I'm like, oh, man, I got myself in such a pickle. And so then I had to say no to this job. But then I'm like, but I really like this job too. So, oh, it was really awful. You know, just that moment when you're just like, I just want to die. No, I didn't. But it was just really awful. So I said no. It took my yes back and apologized. I felt really awful. But at the same time, I had to rewrite and take back my resignation. And but there was this thing that was hanging in front of me that said, things are going to be okay. And I had to take that next step, and so after I took that step of taking my yes back and then um, that it take my resignation back, I was a lot of taking back. My word, um, I knew that you know someone had said to me, "More things are going to be okay. You're going to be okay," and it was that thing that sort of dangled in front of me that allowed me to do all of this. And I can tell you that when I did both of those things, I slept like a baby and I think I ate a whole horse. I know I don't eat horses, but I ate really well. I enjoyed food once again. And I, you know, I was able to like just take this cloud off and lift whatever was on my head and off my shoulders. And I was able to see light of day again. But there is this thing about peace and hope that goes hand in hand you know, and I think for Paul, you know, one of the things that he wanted the people to know in this, like right now in the midst of it, it's yuck. And it feels awful. And it's just like, you can't really see, um, beyond this wall that you're facing, but he says, it's going to be okay because what you're going through right now is nothing compared. And again, if I was to go back into my own life, you know, yeah, I would have had an amazing time at the States, but now I'm, we I just celebrated five years of marriage. I know, it's pretty cool. I like it a lot. <laughs> and um, you know, and for me I couldn't have foresaw that. Like I couldn't have seen that coming. Um because a few months later my then boyfriend now husband proposed and I'm like, Yes Anyway and I then stayed on and my I they gave me back my job. Praise the Lord, I stayed on for another six years in the most amazing years of my life over the last six years, because I was able to then like take those steps that moved me to action even though it wasn't the best action that I wanted to take. but I did it anyway. Because of this thing that said it's going to be okay. And what's coming is nothing compared to the suffering that I was then experiencing. And I have been able to experience joy. And there's glorious days. But that's just on a personal level. But here in the sense is a lot more of a, like it's a much more of a global, universal um, scale of suffering. Sin has done something awful to our world. Um, we have an enemy that just wants to destroy this earth and destroy humanity and destroy any hope that we have in life and in future. And one of the things that Paul really wanted to encourage the people and the listeners of the time and the listeners of now is to say, you know what? I'm going to dangle this because he actually uses the word hope in this passage a few times because he really wants people to see the fact that we might not be able to comprehend how good things could be, but give it a go anyway. And that's what he really wanted to do. And, you know, again, and I've shared this before with some others and Scott and um, Evelyn are here that I've never given birth and who's a mum here? Jinha. You know, there we've got two mums here. So you know what it's like. And Paul actually compares the suffering that the earth, the creation and humanity are going through to that of, you know, giving birth. There is this intensity and I've only ever watched, um, my sisters give birth and I've cried every time because I can't take their pain away. But then, you know, they've had beautiful baby. So I had to keep reminding her, you're going to have another beautiful curly head boy, you know, or a girl. She ended up with four boys, but that's what happened. And another sister in law, I'm like, listen, you've got beautiful, gorgeous babies. That's what you're going to. And so Paul is really wanting to make some comparison. That is, I guess we have an idea for the men. You get a baby, apparently that's what happens. And so you don't really get to understand that way, but you, you understand it from the perspective of, you see it happening. You know, you see the suffering, you observe it and you feel it because someone that you love that's going through it. But at the end of it, it says, you're going to have this amazing gift. And if I can dangle it there, that's what it's going to be like. And, you know, I guess today um the message is really just to share with you, and I don't know your journeys, you know. I've only really shared a little bit of mine. And one of the things that is great uh, and I love about, I guess, the whole God element in life is that hope gives us that next thing, Whatever that would be, it'll be, you know, and that's one of the things that God wants us to hold on to, that hope tells us that whatever it is that's going on in our lives, things are going to be okay with God. And one of the things that when Jesus came to this earth and lived the life that he did and did what he did on the cross and then, you know, he walked it, showed us what God is like. He basically did just that. He dangled and says, you know what? Because of God, there is life and there is life that is beautiful and abundant, even in the midst of yuckiness of life. And because of God, there is going to be life that's going to be better than what we have right now. And it's an unfortunate thing because we could have so many discussions on it. And like, can we just end it now and let's have that better part? And, I, you know, I have no real great answers for why God is actually allowing this earth to go any longer. Or, you know, then could, we could just finish it now and say, God, we're done. Because in Isaiah 65, I actually want that new earth. I want the earth where it says that kids are going to be born and never die. You know, you're going to be able to build your buildings, you know, and and plant your stuff. And you're going to be, actually enjoy the fruit of your labor. I want that. But until then, God says, well, that's the hope. That's one of the practical, real hope that I can give you. But also the hope of eternal life. Like, that's the hope that I want you to, to hang on to. It is going to come. But until then, um, hold on, sustain in me. And, and ride this out, it is going to get better, and there is hope coming, and that is through Jesus. So I don't know what's going on in your life, and I don't know if this message even rings anything of comfort or whatever to you, um, but I hope that hope, I hope that it brings you hope. I hope that it is a message that will give you that next thing. I hope that if I can share anything that I can share the fact that this earth with all that it's going through, God says in his word that the glory of who he is, is going to be revealed. And what we are experiencing now, we will never really remember. And I look forward to that. I really look forward to that. But until then, I guess I can give you Jesus. I want to give you Jesus, who is the ultimate hope of all, that says that I am going to walk with you. And Isaiah, again, talks about it. When you go through fire, I'm the one that's going to walk with you through that. When you're going through those floods of water, of life, I'm going to to be the one that's actually going to take you through that. You know, When you're having those dark moments, I'm the one that's going to sit with you. And he didn't say that he might take you out of it, but he's going to walk you out of it. When you decide to do that, he's going to be there. And I guess that's one of the things that I want to offer you today. And I love the end of Romans 8 because, you know, Paul, he says, when you've gone through that and you've gotten a hold of this whole future glory and this amazing thing, this great thing that's coming, he says, then we can say we are conquerors you know, and I love the whole imagery of, you know, that fist pump and says, I am more than a conqueror, you know, and it's that next thing that you're going to experience when you've gone through it. And I'm going to read it out to you in, in closing. It says, what then shall we say in response to these things, to the groanings, to the sufferings, to all of this, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for, for all of us how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen it is God who justifies who then is the one who condemns no one Christ Jesus who died more than that who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height or death nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me pray Um, after we have a song from Roy. And then I'll pray. Thanks.
1: I always pray uh, first on, on mistake because I still don't know how the program runs. Oh, no. And so it's nice to have someone to remind me. So anyway.
2: <laughs>
1: Sorry. No, no. I'm I mean, the exact same boat as you. Uh, good afternoon. Happy Sabbath, everyone. Uh, this uh, song that I'm going to share with you this afternoon is called Cornerstone. And it was written by three gentlemen who were in Stockholm, um, Stockholm Sweden, during the uh, shootings that took place uh, not too long ago. I think it was a, just a handful of years. And it was said that the shootings really affected the community in a very dramatic way. And there were children that were really um, had a lot of fear. There were individuals that had experienced a lot of fear. And so these three gentlemen got together. And um, the song Cornerstone is based off of uh, a famous hymn. And they basically uh, re- uh, did a different variation and added a different chorus to the song. And uh, it was a song that, that really uh, ministered to the hearts of the individuals. And so... Um, yeah, if you're if you're going through something, I invite you to uh, just reflect upon the words of the song as you see them and as uh, as you listen to them. Um, and if you're even inspired, feel free to join in if you'd like. Um, and yeah, I just hope that you'll be blessed by the blessed by the by the song, by the music.
0: Loving Father, we just, um, we want to just pause and and thank you for the fact that in Jesus we have hope. In you we have hope. Um, all of us have, uh, you know, we have lives that we have are in different parts of our journeys and there are things that sometimes can take away our joy and our hope. And today we want to We want to just cling to the fact that whatever it is that we might be going through, that we can have that thing where it says that it's going to be okay. And because of you, although we're going through some intensity of pain and whatever it is, that we can trust in the fact that because of who you are, things are going to be even better than what they are in this time. So, Lord, we um, I want to just place all of our community here in your hands and ask that um, you'll just be present in life's journeys and that you will um, answer the prayers that are uttered silently in our hearts and that you will attend to the needs um, that we might not be able to vocalize, but you do. And so I just pray that with that, that you will do what you need to do with each and every one of us. Thank you for being our God, our friend in Jesus. Amen.